1977, Jan Fields was on her way to a job interview. A wife and a mother, Fields was re-entering the workforce after several years at home as her child's primary caretaker. She happened to stop for a soda at a McDonald's and noticed a sign on the milkshake machine. Now hiring. Flexible hours. She asked for an application and started work the very next day. But after her first shift, she admits, I literally cried when I got home, feeling she wasn't suited to the rigorous pace and strict rules. She told her husband she didn't think she would make it at McDonald's. Welcome to Hamburger Business Review, a podcast about business school case studies on McDonald's. I'm Zach Rose, here with my co-host and burger business classmate, Mike Merrill. Today, we're going to dive in the 2008 case study, Started as Crew, Jan Fields and McDonald's. Started as Crew is a part of McDonald's culture that celebrates executives that came up working in the restaurants. And they claim that about 40% of McDonald's executives are able to make that claim. This case study is part of a series that highlights those that have reached the highest levels in the organization having started as crew. And McDonald's seems to argue that this gives their leadership ranks a unique advantage. Working in a restaurant, that could mean being a manager of the restaurant or even an owner of the restaurant which would require like a million dollars in cash. I think started as crew is separate from an owner operator. Okay. I think it generally means that you were, you know, maybe a manager, but not an owner. Okay. I'll take your word for it. The corporate culture of started as crew began with Fred Turner, who started as a grill cook and in just two years became the operations vice president. Now, this happened in the very first days of McDonald's, uh, and Fred Turner would go on to eventually take over after Ray Kroc himself stepped down. But while McDonald's corporate was proud to select from its best and brightest in its ranks, the impression of having a job at McDonald's has never carried much prestige. The term McJob would come to represent one of the most saturated criticisms of the McDonald's empire. The image of the company suffered as the public began to perceive its jobs as dead-end, unskilled, and unstimulating. Mike, was this your experience? I, Yes. Okay. Short answer, yes. I mean, as a high school student, there was no... I had no interest in McDonald's other than I just wanted to put some cash in my pocket. Do you feel like it was a fair deal in that regard? Yes. Okay. But I'm I'm thinking of it through, you know, high school Mike's eyes. I, you know, looking back, I probably could have found a way to spend my time better or been compensated better. I wasn't very aggressive in the job market when I was in high school. Well, that's the thing about these McJobs is that they're marketed as being a young person's job. A young person who maybe doesn't really need the money, um, who's doing it to get some experience as an, at an actual place of employment. And that's I think part of the justification why they're, um, the pay is low and the benefits are, are meager. So this term McJob originated in 1986. There's a Washington Post article titled McJobs are bad for kids, but it wasn't really popularized until 1991 when Douglas Copeland uh, wrote his bestseller Generation X Tales for an Accelerated Culture. And he described a McJob as a low-pay, low-prestige, low-dignity, low-benefit, no-future job in the service sector, frequently considered a satisfying career choice by people who have never held one. That's a pretty damning assessment of something with a, with a mick in front of it. 
Public contempt for a crew position reached a critical mass in the 90s, with annual turnover at some locations exceeding 400%. So that means um, if you have a crew of 12 people, you need 48 people to make it through a year? Yeah, that means that person on your fry station, you have to hire four of him every year. (laughs) That's a lot. That's That's a a lot. lot. When Merriam-Webster included McJob in its collegiate dictionary, In 2003, the CEO of McDonald's responded by condemning the publisher, saying it was a slap in the face to the 12 million men and women of the American fast food industry. Um, is it? I don't think so. I think it's a slap in the face to the person who's setting their pay. I think that McDonald's response to this is that their brand is being with the with the MC, you know, with the Mick job is being associated with the larger industry problems. And so I think what they're saying is not really we have a problem with this method of exploitation. What they're saying actually is or you know, we have a problem being the symbol of the exploitation of these workers. Right. Well, McDonald's faces this all the time. They're the symbol for um for post-consumer waste, as we've seen. They're the symbol for obesity. They're the symbol for environmental destruction. Um, yeah. What did you call it in the first episode? I think um, the tall poppy syndrome. Yeah, right. That they, you know, that they do things that Burger King does, but nobody wants to make fun of Burger King because it just doesn't have that, that brand cachet. And so McDonald's felt unfairly targeted by that catchy term. And because they were continually promoting their better-than-industry benefits, the career potential uh, within their internal marketing. As part of that, getting over the hump of that 400% turnover. Um, they also really leaned into the story of Ray Kroc and Fred Turner. And McDonald's used their promotion from within strategy and employee training programs to develop and identify what this case study calls human capital. And I want to read a little bit from David Graeber's book, Bullshit Jobs, which is very much not about McJobs. In fact, in the preface, he's specifically describing jobs where you could go away and nothing in the world would change, at least according to the person who works that job. And he, he makes this generalized point that in our society, there seems to be a general rule that the more obviously one's work benefits other people, the less one is likely to be paid for it. And again, an objective measure is hard to find, he writes, but one easy way to get a sense is to ask, what would happen if this entire class of people were to simply disappear? Say what you like about nurses, garbage collectors, or mechanics. It's obvious that were they to vanish in a puff of smoke, the results would be immediate and catastrophic. A world without teachers or dock workers would soon be in trouble. Even one without science fiction writers or ska musicians would clearly be a lesser place. Hmm, ska musicians. But it's not entirely clear how humanity would suffer if all private equity CEOs, lobbyists, PR research, actuaries, telemarketers, bailiffs, and legal consultants to simply vanish. Sick burn. Sick burn. This case study really highlights the problem that McDonald's has in putting bodies behind the counter. And a big part of the way they do that is, as I said, with these promotion from within strategy, aka started as crew, and also the employee training programs like Hamburger University. They talk about McDonald's has wages that were often better than average for fast food in a given region. And they also promoted their health insurance and 401k programs. McDonald's also advertised McFlexibility their term, offering adaptable schedules to those unable to work a traditional full-time week, like students and those taking care of young children. Some franchises in the U.S. allowed employees who were also students the chance to take an extra hour to do homework or meet with a study group while on the clock. 
I wonder about the specifics on their claim that McDonald's pays better than other similar jobs. I remember in 2018, there was a McDonald's strike that Bottomless Burgers was a part of, or at least supported. And the claim there was, these are McDonald's workers in South Los Angeles asking for $15 an hour and something done about sexual harassment. What year was that? That was in 2018. 2018. Okay, so that was 10 years after this case study. I mean, just looking up a really quick search for what different fast food companies pay, McDonald's is definitely at the bottom in a 2015 article that I found. Um, what, are, what are the other names in there? McDonald's, 807, Five Guys, 807, Dunkin' Donuts, 812, Chick-fil-A, 816, Jamba Juice, Noodles, Panera Bread, 840. Let's see who's at the top. Number one, in and out at $11.17 an hour. It's surprising how tight the differences are. Most of them are within that $8 range. Mm -hmm. You're talking a few cents an hour. McDonald's also loves to highlight their Hamburger University, the centralized corporate training program for managers and franchise operators. By 2007, it is sort of, it's an essential path for growth within the company. We got to talk about Jan Fields. Jan Fields went on to master every crew position at McDonald's. She was a hard charger. She was eventually promoted to manager of her store. And over the next decade, she juggled being a mom, finishing college and working and being promoted several times over and over and over again. Absolute queen. In 2006, after 28 years working at McDonald's, she was named Executive Vice President of McDonald's USA, overseeing nearly 14,000 locations. This case study was published in 2008, but Jan Fields then went on to become President of McDonald's USA in 2010 and was credited with pushing a health-conscious agenda via Happy Meals. She was the one that swapped out fruit for desserts. She reduced the portion size of the fries in the Happy Meal. You know, a watchdog group that works on reducing junk food and marketing said, the healthier options overall are little more than a vehicle for selling more of McDonald's bread and butter, burgers, fries, and soda, but every little bit helps. Fields' push into healthier fare, or at least the appearance of healthy, was a response to this anti-junk food sentiment that was building momentum in 2011. She also spearheaded a push to appeal to a new online power, the mommy blogger. Her rise to the top from her started as crew beginning was key to that appeal. There's a New York Times article that said, it's a success story that, at McDonald's anyway, isn't all that unusual. Countless other executives have what industry analysts like to call ketchup in their veins. Many started with jobs behind the cash register, often earning minimum wage. In 2012, after the first monthly sales drop in 10 years at McDonald's, Fields was fired. She spent 35 years at McDonald's including as the poster child for this very case study. Even the announcement of her successor included a quote from Field saying, when I started on Fry's as a crew member, I had no idea where that job would lead. So to recap, she did a fantastic job at McDonald's. And then when she got to the top of McDonald's USA, she was there for two years. She brought in healthier food and the candor. There was a one month decline in overall sales. I think it was 2.2%. It was the first time in 10 years there had been that decline. And it did feel like maybe an opportunity to sort of mix things up and change things. 
putting on my cynical hat for a second, do you think it's possible that they hired Jan Fields into the executive vice president and president roles to promote their own culture of hiring from within? And once that was accomplished, it was no longer as important? I think the hired from within or started as crew initiative is still very much part of McDonald's culture. And I think the larger point of this case study is how many people pass through McDonald's and how many of them are found and brought up into the ranks of the corporate structure. And how important is that? Does it really matter? As we enter the kind of virtual hamburger business school portion of this podcast, the first question that I had was, is a McDonald's crew position a McJob or a career? Is Jan Fields, is she an anomaly or is this a path that I go out and get a job starting at the Fry Station tomorrow? Can I expect to be a regional manager in five to eight years? Personally, I think you could do it. But I'm going to go with McJob. I think there are just not enough openings. There's so much turnover. Yes, they can point to some high profile examples and some statistics, but I think this is overblown. And I think the true culture of today's corporate McDonald's is about hiring Wharton Business School people. Exactly. I think that this case study reads a little bit like propaganda for this aspect of the corporate culture. Why does this corporate culture exist is maybe a more interesting question because they don't tell us how many people move up. And it- If your question is, is Jan Fields an anomaly, the answer must be yes, because clearly we are talking about her. They wrote a case study about her. But 40% of executive leadership being people that started as crew, while that's a small number when you look at the massive base of how many people have ever worked at a McDonald's, it still represents a pretty big portion within corporate. It does. I would wonder what executive roles are these? What are the qualifications for starting as crew? Right. Because even to go to Hamburger University, you have to spend, I believe it's two years of part-time work. You know, I wonder, like, how effective is Hamburger University in creating this human capital for McDonald's? I was looking at the current turnover for McDonald's because I was wondering how that compares to that high that they mentioned of 400%. And the number I saw was that it's estimated at about 130% annually. To a certain degree, HR is pure bureaucracy. And the appeal of somebody who's worked at McDonald's for a few years is that they're a known quantity. Yeah, and I wonder how much of it is sort of an active search to find these best and brightest or how much of it is just waiting for people to self-select. Because I would imagine if you're a typical franchise owner, it's not your job to find people to elevate to corporate. I also think the ability to understand what it's like at the bottom mm-hmm. is so clearly part of McDonald's culture. Like e- even if you are coming in to operate a franchise and you have a million bucks in the bank, they're still going to put you on the line at least for a little while. And I'm sure that's an entirely like sanitized version of what it's like to work at a McDonald's. But it's interesting that it's still part of that culture. I wonder how sanitized it really is. I mean, They have to tell you at some point that this is your business and this is what it's like for the people you are going to hire. Do you feel like you still have it in you? Could you cover a shift right now? No, I'm sure the technology has also changed. I think I could learn pretty quick. Do you think people would have that same incongruous feeling about Mike Merrill starting at the Highland Park McDonald's? Oh, like this person doesn't know what he's doing? Yeah. I think at this point I'd be a hard charger. I think I could make manager pretty quick. This is turning into quite the appealing proposition for me. Are you are you currently uh, got a W-2? No, I don't have a day job right now. This might be a place to start, Mike. <laughs> I'll be like, I can't do a Saturday morning shift because I have to record my podcast. 
We could move it around. I'm flexible. I can give you some flexibility. This story is all about this program of Started as Crew and how important that is and how magical that is within the structure of McDonald's culture. And I think it's interesting that right now we are in a moment where McDonald's share price is higher than it's ever been. And it seems to be continually rising. And at the same time, the current CEO, he's a Harvard Business School graduate. He worked as a management consultant. He also did brand management and marketing at Procter & Gamble, Pepsi, and Kraft before joining McDonald's at the executive level in 2015. Nothing in his bio talks about ever having worked at any restaurant, much less a fast food operation. What do we know about Chris? I know that he runs 50 miles a week, according to Wikipedia, that he had some sort of comment in a text message to Lori Lightfoot about violence and murder in Chicago that sort of seemed to blame parents that got discovered and called out. And I know that he looks like he runs 50 miles a week. I think that he is an executive's executive. What does that mean? Chris Kempensky strikes me as the ideal model of a contemporary business executive. His history is incredibly corporate. It is the antithesis of this case study. And I'm sure it is creating, it has to be creating a rift within the McDonald's structure. The current McDonald's corporate strategy is called accelerating the arches. And if I remember correctly, it's about two things, aggressive marketing, and it's about some new menu options. Those don't seem like boots on the ground priorities. Well, it seems like the work of someone who's coming from brand management and marketing. Mm -hmm. To build this culture of from the bottom up, I'm, I'm sure still carries weight within the organization, and I'm sure it's heavier at the bottom and probably gets less as you earn more and more millions. You're probably further and further away from that, or maybe you only give lip service to it. In this case study, the executive vice president and chief human resource officers, he said, nobody ever talks about where they went to school. He said, even here in corporate, it's not even talked about. It just isn't part of our culture. After one of his promotions within the company, he's like, hey, you could mention that I got an MBA from the prestigious Kellogg School of Management in the company newsletter and the general counsel responsible for his report suggested that he not include it saying you know to most mcdonald's employees his degree was a very small part of his value as a co-worker i would say that this is pretty normal i've never worked with anybody in a business setting in the last 10 years who mentioned where they went to school i bring up that example because it is counter to the bio page on the mcdonald's website for mcdonald's president chief executive officer where it says chris is a proud alumnus of both duke university and harvard business school oh duke gross he highlights both of those in his corporate bio he's proud of his connections hmm what's happened For whatever reason, when he was promoted to CEO, there was a decision to look outside the organization. What was going on at that point? A little bit outside the scope of what we're talking about today. I think it represents a failure of the started as crew promotion from within strategy. They didn't have somebody ready. Usually it was the COO, either someone coming from McDonald's USA, which is separate than McDonald's corporate worldwide. But yeah, usually there's strong candidates ready to get promoted. It'll be really interesting going forward to see how Chris does. Can he maintain his 50 miles? And how long can he run up the stock price of McDonald's? And what happened to Jan Fields? Her and her husband built a retirement home in Florida. She took her several millions 
and retired as far as we know. Is that right? She does some public speaking. Her identity is still tied to McDonald's. It's very rare now that you see anything other than talking about her leaving her position. It was only during the changeover that there was a couple mentions that seemed to indicate that she was quote unquote fired. There seems to be a little bit of revisionist history. You know, she maintains her position as a very powerful woman uh, in sort of the retired corporate America. It's a great name. It sounds like they should make a, a Jan Fields chocolate chip cookie. Oh, I love that idea. Just something to commemorate her service. She operated just ahead of the curves that were coming. It really felt like she was riding the cultural trends appropriately. In 2008, there was an uh, ABC News article from McMuffins to McLattes where she was quoted as saying, drinks overall beverages are a huge growing part of the business from an industry standpoint beverages make up to 60 billion dollars and we see that even today a large part of what chris is doing today is focusing on beverages and chicken and talk about i recently learned their strategy for the frozen drinks they basically will make you a slurpee these days is that they want you to come in for a drink as a snack and then maybe get some food and then start incorporating Taco Bell, not just as a meal place, but also a snack place. I mean, that's really interesting because going all the way back to our opener in 1977, Jan Fields pops into a McDonald's to get a soda and happens to see the now hiring flexible hours. And she was killing time waiting for her actual job interview at a McDonald's before getting pulled onto her wild career adventure. So that ability to be a quick place to just like pop in, get your drink, get your snack, move on. Fast food, fast jobs. And it's interesting that they actually, that McDonald's can sustain a 400% turnover rate. That the lowest entry job is that easy to train and that easy to learn. It was, you know, again, this was mid nineties, but I just remember sitting in this back room having to watch VHS tape after VHS tape after VHS tape. Well, I like to think of McDonald's as an educator and that part of my part of the dollars that I'm spending on the food are going to, to educate people in these VHS tapes. I wonder what the program change is like getting into Hamburger University. It'd be really fun to talk to somebody who was a graduate from, you know, 10 plus years ago versus today and to be able to, to see what those changes have been over time. And I think um, Hamburger University might be a little bit oversold. I think there are lots of regional training centers that are probably that probably see a lot more people come through. I think in terms of corporate perception and funding, McDonald's, Disney, some of these like bigger names that sort of have, you know, stolen the term university, <laughs> it's probably undeserved, <laughs> is interesting in, in that they have sustained because it, it feels like something that you would jettison at a certain point, mm -hmm. especially when you can just go grab a Chris Kempensky off the, you know, off the rack. You're just like, oh, insert corporate executive here. What do we even need this development from the bottom for? And I would argue that that goes back to Ray Kroc's hyper focus on the success of the franchise operator at the expense of all else. Like that was his strategy from the beginning. And Ed Ray was very boots on the ground strategy of being a, a CEO in the 90s and visiting every McDonald's bathroom or spending 70% of his time going to McDonald's restaurants to see if the bathroom was clean. I, and that's probably sums up the difference between someone who started his crew versus somebody that you pick off the shelf, right? Like somebody who comes in thinking about brand and marketing strategy for McDonald's is serving as his customer, the shareholder, whereas somebody like Jan Fields comes in and is still focused on serving the actual paying customer of the hamburger. Yeah. 
I promise you that Jan Fields has eaten many more hamburgers at McDonald's in her life than Chris Kempinski. I would, I would believe that, yeah. This episode is recorded Saturday, April 22nd. McDonald's stock is at $292.06 as of market close on Friday. In corporate news, we see that McDonald's is testing cold brew and improving the quality of some of their hamburgers. We have an unconfirmed report that McDonald's CEO took a pay cut either last year or this year. Unconfirmed because we were unable or unwilling to get past the paywall of that article. I think chicken is the most experimental part of the McDonald's menu right now.